What is the point of this paperwork? What is the point of these meetings? What is the point of managers coming and going? You must gain balance within yourself before you can bring balance to the world. Sometimes I faltered. I had bad days. We need people to be human at work. Your work. You will not be as productive when you are in pain uh, or feeling excluded. So if someone violates something that's of utmost importance to you, that will probably trigger anger in you. Uh, if it's not so important, it will probably trigger like frustration. What, what is the point? Welcome to the Meaningful Work podcast. Uh, today it's me, Amit, that's hosting and going to get to talk on the really exciting topic of belonging. Uh, I think, and we'll, we might touch some other stuff as well. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, Christine Grimstotter. Thank you so much, Amit. Really a pleasure to be here with you uh, today and talk about uh, belonging. And might be something else as well, but uh, extremely exciting to be here. We, I'm going to start you off with the question, because, I mean, it's called the Meaningful Work Podcast. And so tend to lead with the question, uh, what is meaningful work to you? What does it mean? Mm, well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I often say, actually, when people ask what I do for work, I, I think I've never felt I am working because uh, it's so meaningful. So I, I guess I have taken the path since the, almost the very start uh, to do that brings me to life that kind of meets my core values. Uh, and and for me, that's extremely meaningful. So often if you look at my, my CV, uh, you might think it's extremely scattered and I've been doing a lot of different things. But the truth is that there is a red thread uh, through everything I've done. So I have been following the same kind of mission or commitment over 15 years uh, and then it pops up in different positions within companies or uh, scenarios uh, so I guess I am following what is extremely meaningful to me uh, in, in my work or, or yeah in, in what I do I would say uh, because at the moment I'm not getting paid for it and then I'm considering is, is that a work then <laughs> but uh, that's where I put my time and energy and effort ah that's interesting yeah there is this like perspective of of uh, there, i think somebody said and this is probably not a road we want to go down but it's like there's a there is a an old uh, there's a saying that the work and worship like those words are are related in one one way or the other and i'm hearing you kind of at least gesture uh, loosely towards that concept of of work um and what i'm curious about though is like when because we we framed it already as we were talking about belonging so um, how, how did you come into the topic of belonging? And, like, and, and also maybe what is it? Mm, yeah. Uh, I, it is kind of recently that I started to focus so extremely much on, on the concept of belonging. Um, for, for the most part of my life, I think this has been almost a strange topic. Uh, I've, got, I've gone from like, I don't belong anywhere. I think I count, I don't know, over 17 addresses where, where I have lived uh, for the past, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, I've been an extremely in the flow and said, like, I, I kind of belong everywhere and don't belong anywhere. 
Um, but uh, when I was looking at uh, why why we do what we do, and and why we do what we do, especially in the in the scope of leadership, I would say uh, I think that has been what I've been doing for the past fifteen years to understand human behavior. Uh, understand it from the leadership perspective and especially in the context of um, sustainability. So, and, and I have been working with data, I've been working with data on values and, and what started to emerge is that when you're working in teams or you're working in a context, the struggle that comes is when there sets a big gap between uh, people that they almost cannot work together. Uh, so I think there it came to the sense of belonging, the importance of feeling a sense of belonging or having this safe space uh, that you can be the best version of yourself. So I think belonging or the sense of belonging is kind of the prerequisites for us both to grow. It's a safe space where you have the space to to kind of lean back and that facilitates growth. It's a kind of utmost importance uh, both as a leader, but for everyone, I, I realized that you kind of can design for it. There are specific elements that you can focus on to to foster belonging. So I think that evoked my interest, and I've been both been trying to practice that and understand it from um, from a team perspective, from a context perspective, and uh, yeah, how you can work with that to to facilitate a meaningful work or, or life yeah and and how does it relate to because i think a lot of people are are getting used to hearing this concept of psychological safety yeah what what is the relationship between psychological safety and belonging mm-hmm. i think in this context i will take a really really concrete uh, example uh, so what i look at is people's values uh, and i use a domain of about 130 uh, values when I look at that so people can rank their values and uh, when you have uh, your most important values and you can see also the rank to, to the least important values and you have a group of people uh, and now I'm trying to visualize this while I talk uh, is that if we take you and me Amit just an example uh, and if we share some values we will feel greater sense of belonging towards each other if you have some values that are much important to you and they're not at all important to me, I will by default and consciously probably va- uh, violate your values. And when I do so, it's painful for you. You will feel that I'm not respecting you. You will like, we will lose trust and there's like a greater gap between us. And you will not feel as you kind of, and, and if you're in a greater group and you feel kind of this outsider more people are violating you feel this distance and you will feel not a sense of belonging so uh, from from the psychological safety part is that i think it's extremely important to understand the value perspective so if i know your values then i also will be more conscious of giving you the space you need and not violating them even though they're not important for me so we're kind of bridging the gap and in that way i create a safe space for you to be who you are um, because that's what something I care about and should care about um, as a leader or a, or a co-being on this earth. So and I'm just hearing two 
almost two different perspectives. So, so one one part is that if we can uh, go through an exercise where where our values become visible, then we can kind of find out if or we can we can. I mean, there's a there's an overlap between like when it feels naturally flowy to to collaborate with some somebody uh, from from empirical experience, then that to to the values. So that's like one part that I'm hearing you speak to. And then the other thing is, if we don't share values, then knowing the other's values might make us more compassionate towards them, maybe, or like give us a better opportunity to respect them, to show respect, uh, not from our own worldview, but but from the other's worldview, because we get a peek into that uh, in a way. Exactly, exactly. And this to me, I, I can give you a really concrete example. Uh, I love to use it because it's so every day it happens in our family. Uh, so me and my partner, we have uh, four kids. And uh, one of them had a birthday and we were going out for a picnic to, to celebrate her. Uh, and it's, it's not like a stressed environment at all, but still like we are, we are hurrying out and his task is to prepare the picnic. And I'm supposed to bring all the kids and the clothes and, and get them out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went out and uh, bought some bread and it was less really nitty gritty, healthy <laughs> buns that he bought because <laughs> he always buys. Uh, and uh, I knew that the kids really didn't like them. Uh, it was not their favorite. They wanted kind of the, the white, sweeter one. Uh, and I said, oh my God, it's the birthday. I really do care about that they had this good experience that we show that we actually see them and value like what they like. So we started feeling this little tension uh, between us. Uh, and we have become pretty good at it. So we said, okay, there's something happening here. And uh, I said, okay, I'm feeling there's something arising within me. And I think it's because you bought those <laughs> these healthy buns and the kids don't like them. Uh, and I said, it's so important for me at this moment that they will like have a good time and feel that we actually see them and give them uh, at this point what they really like. Um, so I've got to talk about it from the value perspective. So I shared what is extremely important for me, that the kids are seen. And that is kind of how I show them that I love them more than anything in the world. And my partner, he, he really values health. Mm. And this kind of greatest aspect of love that he creates environment and everything he gives them is promoting their health and well-being. So he was also acting from love. And actually, as soon as we really realized these different perspectives, we could kind of lean into the same goal, which is giving our kids love. Mm. Um, and take a step back and kind of lean on this, into this disconnection that was started to happen. Uh, so there's a really simple example of how to understand each other values can create a connection in, in the shared mission, even though we have different ways to go there. Yeah, so the so the values are underpinning sort of the preferred path, like you're saying, like the roads, the road to walk there. And then, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're working towards a different goal. Like, uh, so you could you could potentially find. And even if you would have found that you didn't work towards the same goal, then, then that would have been um, good because then you could have probably uh, sort of squared on that. Uh, exactly. As well. Yeah. Yeah. So most often it's uh, unconscious and react on it and uh, like everything we do. So to bring it into light, uh, it helps us to understand and get perspectives and, and also lean into other worldviews that are different from our own. And and now I'm going to ask something which is I, I don't. I have a sounds for like i don't necessarily agree with the question but i'm, I'm just wondering because <laughs> <laughs> but it's like so belonging in, in from one worldview if, if you're not mm-hmm. into the stuff that 
that we're working with and so forth, belonging and trust and, and things like that, they they seem so soft and squishy. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now we're in a work context and, and we need to deliver the numbers and like be really efficient and, do, you know, make numbers go up and, and do important things and like get stuff done and, and whatever um, people mm-hmm. might experience that they're doing at work. Um, why... Why do we care about these things? Um, what, why is it important? I, I think it's an extremely good question. Either of you agree to it or not there. Uh, I think it's always like, what should it cost? Uh, we have been focusing for so long time on, uh, on being effective and productive and, and getting some kind of monetary results and, and profit. Uh, but... On cost of what, and we are seeing both people and planet to to burn out. Um, and I, I personally, and and you know that, don't think that's the right uh, path to go. Uh, and if you look at uh, like just like science and and uh, the IPCC report, we we see that uh, it's definitely not worth it for the survival of humanity. Uh, so to focus on belonging. And the well-being uh, of people, because I think belonging is kind of the, the fundamental thing for creating well-being. It's extremely painful uh, to be outside, to be excluded, or to feel excluded. Uh, it's it's a basic human need to, to feel a sense of belonging. Uh, and and when you are in this pain of feeling exclusion or not being able to be who you are uh, in a setting. Uh, it shows on you uh, and it also will affect your work. You will not be as productive when you are in pain uh, or feeling excluded. You will absolutely not over-deliver, which is probably what you will do when you're in a, in a state of a flow, for instance, or, or feeling seen and heard. So it, it is, of course, changed values, but I think it's also about the holistic way of uh, taking responsibility uh, of of the company you kind of run, but also it's also important for productivity and results and profit, but in a more holistic perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, and and that's why I was saying I didn't didn't don't agree with the question particularly, but I mean the, the way that we've been thinking about it and looking at it has been to think about sort of the that that if we are aren't belonging, like exactly mm-hmm. what you said, then we have to leave parts of ourselves out, so it means that we're going to perform worse than. Or like we're we're not going to be as efficient as we could be, um, and particularly in this world that we live in, which is no longer a world where you can kind of say, "Well, next year is going to be plus three percent." Not not even on the GDP level, mm-hmm. like not even on the yeah. like very simplistic economic measurements that we are following, you're going to be able to see anything with any any confidence because you know there are wars and there are pandemics and there are energy crises and there are all these things that are unfolding around us mm-hmm. and so then at least if we have our people fully with us and, and fully engaged and not in a story of like yeah i do this to survive but then when i come home that's when i really live up or like you know like to, to find this relationship between work and worship if you will or like that that meaningful part of it where it's part of our meaning making then then uh, that is the way to create a high-performing team that is the way for an organization to respond to changing circumstances and, and changing um, things because we are, we don't, it's not enough for people to just do their job. We need to kind of have people discover what the job 
like what the best way to do the job is. And then having these conversations that you were describing with your husband is like, I mean, for a company that makes buns, you know, yeah. <laughs> it could be a really valuable discussion because it's like, how do we meet the 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 needs for for really healthy food that is like nutritious and great and, and puts people on the best performance and how can we make the kids also like it, you know, because of yeah. their destroyed palate, one could argue because of the sugar. In the, you know, let's not get into it. But nonetheless, like. Yeah. And, and I think this is also kind of discussing about authenticity when we're going into kind of navigating complexity as well. Um, I have been exploring kind of also leading from authenticity to also be able, because I think authenticity and belonging connect. I, I can say like authenticity, almost belonging to yourself. Uh, and then you have also to to belong to others or not like another context and uh, to to lead to enable authenticity that every person can really be themselves um it has been an absolute privilege as as a leader um and and talking about like navigating in complexity you you don't know the outcome and the world is always changing uh so if i as a leader, would set a goal, and and this is what you want to reach, and then kind of put everyone into to a box to reach that goal. The best possible outcome would be exactly that, uh, and that is what is uh, limited to my limited mind or way of thinking, which is far away from perfect or, or able to see it all. So to be able to lead in a complex world where you can enable authenticity in all the people you're working with um it sets a vital journey to to take on because you will be amazed by how people actually over deliver you'll be amazed by the creativity and the level of innovation that will come up uh, you will see that what you had in mind was so extremely small compared to what could happen when people actually can flourish and put their minds and skill and personalities together um and and in that way when everyone can contribute from a place where they feel whole um it's just a that magical journey uh that yeah it's it's worth living and seeing um from that perspective and i would love to see more companies uh work in that way that's really interesting what you just said because you you said um just this divide between authenticity and belonging and and then you said something around that, uh, you know, authenticity is about belonging to yourself. So I'm, I'm still kind of letting that metabolize because I've I've been hanging out with with um, uh, the what's it called? It's called the Myth of Normal, uh, Gabor Mateus book, and he puts very fundamentally in the way that he looks at trauma as uh, basically a choice for the small kid in in our sort of western industrialized in the, in the in the civilized world if you will um that it, there's a choice there that's presented to every kid not consciously but nonetheless between authenticity and belonging like mm. between doing uh, exactly what you need and expressing your needs in the way that you naturally would express them for instance by screaming or whatever it might be uh, versus belonging like versus the response from the grown-up world um around you so i mean of course he he has a very extreme he was born in a ghetto during the second world war to a Jewish mother. And so he, he was, he's Jewish and, and then his mother had to leave him uh, mm. to some stranger at nine months or something like that, which is sort of the life trauma that he always keeps returning to. Mm. But 
but he wasn't able to, you know, scream for food or because he knew that there was no food. Like in, in some level, he knew that and he saw, felt from his mother's just nervous system response that that was impossible. And I mean, I think it's, it's um, true for a lot of us that we, we are dependent on our parents. And so we have to kind of make sure that we belong to them before we belong to ourselves as very, very small kids. And then, so that's the divide that he introduces as the, the foundation for a lot of the trauma and a lot of the divide, division that we have. But then, yeah, I don't know how, how to phrase that as a question. I, I, I think it's extremely interesting. Uh, and the first thing that comes to me, now I haven't read the book, so I'm only like listening to, to what you're saying here, but what comes to me when you're describing it, it's more about authenticity versus fitting in. And fitting in is kind of the opposite of belonging because you're then compromising on your authenticity to be part of a group. And then actually you don't really belong. You just fit in. And then you have to do this compromise. Um, and, and I think still what you're coming into, because it has been extremely, the, the past year I have been on a maternity leave. Uh, and I think my biggest kind of task there as a parent was to lean in and to understand the needs of my child to kind of create the ground for his authenticity. And it's extremely hard as a parent because we are so extremely biased. Uh, so to always lean in and not say, no, you're not doing it right or you should do it differently. It's to lean in and say, wow, how exciting. I'm so curious. Why do you do that? Because they're so pure and they do it like a mere instincts what they're doing we have so much to learn from them uh, and i even did that for a year when my, my daughter was four we moved to a little island and i took a year off just to be with her and actually to learn from her uh, so we have so much to learn from our kids and if they give us the time to be present and not put our worldview and our limitation to them all the time so i think uh, yeah our kids will do great uh, if they're allowed to flourish and we can help them to help them to understand who they are and uh, grow up in that. At least that's what I really hope for my kids to, to grow up in. That, that's really interesting. And, and mm, there's something here because it's, it's like, at least from a parent's point of view, because I have two little girls as well. Uh, it's like, it's unconditional that the kids belong to the family, yeah, at least to exactly. me, like there's no yeah. conceivable reality where I would tell them you don't belong in the family. So there's like a, and, and then I'm, I get curious about other social structures like the workplace where that belonging, I mean, because in, in the family, you could say the belonging is unconditional. So then mm -hmm. the authenticity to me in, in the divide, if we, even if we, if we play with it for a little bit longer, let's say, even if we don't fully buy into it, but like, and then the authenticity becomes the thing to focus on. Like, how do I enable the most, most amount of authenticity here? But then in the work or workplace, there's like another decision that could be made because there could be a decision from the individual to say, no, you know what? Like this, I don't fit in here. I don't want to fit in here. I'm going to go and, and take myself somewhere else where I feel more belonging, like more uh, based then on the values that you were pointing to before. Um, so I'm just wondering in your experience, how does it change when we have that opt out possibility? Like, cause then it's not unconditional anymore. Then it's like, at some point I could say, ah, I'm done. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, like I say, I mean, we see we see that also in families uh, that actually people opt out uh, and kind of close on, close on relations that are, are harmful in a way. And of course, that can happen in a company as well. Uh, and I think I think that's good uh, that we have that <laughs> that we have that option. But I think also from a or like now it's maybe my opinion on this and I'm not sure if it's right or wrong or, or good or bad uh, in a way but at least when I have been responsible for, for people or departments or, or company um, I, I love to have it open mm-hmm. so the people too who feel alignment are open to come and join forces and then it's my task as a leader to understand them to the level uh, that I can continue to facilitate for their authenticity, that I'm not calling in, here's the job description, here's a role that you have to fit in and perform on. Mm-hmm. But they say, wow, this is attracting to me. Uh, I would love to be part of the scene. And I say, welcome. Uh, who are you? What brings you to life? How can you do more of that? And how can that create value? Mm. And that person can continue to do that as long as it actually, like, making them come to life and it is delivering value and it's like aligning with what, what's happening in the organization. Mm. And then it also allows people to change because we will change either by outer circumstances, like something is having an impact on our life or we are just growing as people. And then they have the opportunity to communicate and I to lean into that and understand uh, so people can continue to grow and, and feel this meaningful work that they're doing uh, and, and it's shaped by themselves um, so, so as a leader you're kind of just facilitator for people it's, it's, I sometimes want to describe it as an, like an orchestra uh, where you just have to find the tones how they actually create the most beautiful music and you can do that in so many ways uh, but you never have to kind of violate or put limitations on, on an instrument you have to find the way they can actually contribute to the whole in the most way. No, I'm really just at my edge here, like thinking about things very openly. So, so, but, <laughs> and, and I'm wondering then, because what, what, what I get curious about there is that we have this, what you were speaking to before is like when we, in a way, like if I misinterpret it like intentionally a little bit, it's like if we bring a bunch of people together um, and then we start, we start from like, how do you see the world? Um, and then, then from from that sort of how, but just by deciding that we're going to remain together and do something in a way, like there's a lot of creativity that can come from there. You can source like a purpose and like all of these things and all this direction from just a group of people deciding that we belong together. Let's 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 belong for a while, you know. Um, and then I was putting that against the other option, which is more the norm in the company, which is like, hey, we're this is where we're going do you want to come along? Like kind of saying like, here's, here's the door. This is the project. I'm going to make as much as I can sort of visible. And you can kind of feel and sense and, and, and look and read up into it, like think into it uh, and see if it's right for you to get to the point. Um, and what I'm wondering then, like, so in one story, we have like a really clear goal and that would sort of probably attract similar people. And maybe you get less diversity, less creativity in that in a way, like you're, mm-hmm. you're locking some potential out because of your clarity. And in the other, I mean, you're doing the opposite, basically. So, I mean, you, you have lots of potential, but then you might have a lot less clarity. And then, so how would you, in, in that divide of, of, of things, like where does it, 
what yeah um, i i think i think in both cases what, what is important is some kind of a vision so you still have you might not have fixed goal but you have a vision that you kind of agree on and are going towards uh, and, and i think also it's not probably in all fields uh, i think i would not like to go to a creative doctor who is going to see what's going to happen if he kind of <laughs> explores <laughs> there in uh in, in a critical stage or or uh, a pilot or I, so, so i think there's a distinction between what kind of work you're doing and uh, because some tasks are, are more critical that you have a specific uh goal and, and a task to to fulfill uh, but in the more uh creative work and and i've been a lot in um, uh, in tech and uh, it and how to use technology uh, to to solve uh, problems so there i think you can do uh, a lot but in the less kind of critical roles i think like now i'm also just like exploring openly uh, as as i talk um there has been this huge focus on growth and, and fast growth and and this is probably not promoting fast growth it's more going into meaning making and creating value that is actually valuable for people and that might take time and it's like giving you meaning. I actually met a company the other day. It was extremely inspirational because they had, they had this approach. We, we play and we try and we fail and we learn and it's so meaningful and we really enjoy what we do. Uh, sometimes it's extremely profitable. Sometimes it's not at all. Uh, and our goal is just to make a little profit. Uh, we, we are not here to make a like high profit. We're actually to to kind of be on the edge, challenge ourselves, and and that's why we exist. Um, and, and that was extremely inspirational. I thought, uh, and and I think that is kind of exactly what I'm describing. You're you're inviting the people who who want to be there, uh, and you can bring your full self into that. Uh, but it's it's. I think it's not easy either uh, because there will be a lot of friction. Uh, there will be, you, you, you need transparency, you need openness, you need honesty, you need, you need courage to be honest to yourself and others when it is, doesn't feel right and you have to bring that up. So, I mean, it takes more time. It takes more effort, I would say. But I think the reward is greater from a holistic perspective when you're not only measuring profit, for instance. That's interesting. I'm curious about that aspect, though, because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, as you're speaking to that, I'm like, yeah, I know that's kind of the story that we tell ourselves in, in this world that's mm-hmm. have, have an interest in this stuff and like think about holistic work and like well, well-being or like wealth as well-being rather than just money like the, the more parameters and so forth and then i'm like well i was speaking to somebody uh earlier on this podcast which was like where we, we talked about this idea that uh, belonging or trust is mm-hmm. a way of of really reducing the transactional cost because if i trust you then maybe i don't need like lawyers and i can't remember the numbers but there's like some incredible number of, of money that goes towards people that are mitigating trust mm. like when there isn't yeah. trust in the relationship then you have to do contract contracts you have to do blockchains you have to add like different layers of things so you can follow and track people which costs incredible amounts of money and so 
if we didn't care about what you were saying, like growth, which is the top line, you know, and even now in the tech world that we live in, the top line doesn't even have to relate to a bottom line. You know, if we look at Uber and like some of those crazy tech firms that have just raised something on the aspirations of something and they are never, have never been or aren't, you know, barely profitable, you know? And so I'm just, it's just like, there's this assumption that scale is going to lead to profit, which it doesn't have to, doesn't have to, you know, and top line doesn't have to lead to like, there's no real connection there unless you really make it so. Uh, And so I'm just curious about that. I, we can pause it maybe even because I want to get back to belonging and like round off on, on some, some like mm-hmm. concrete things. But I, I'm just, I, I think, I think, yeah. I think it's interesting what you're getting into there. And uh, I might actually be able to connect it <laughs> to belonging in, in that, like with, with, <laughs> with, with a really concrete example from, from own experience from a last uh, project that I was leading. Uh, so, so I was leading a project uh, for, for a public company. And it was the first time I was working for, for a public company and uh, we needed a partner uh, and to find a partner, you need to go through public procurement. And I had never done that before. So it was, it was a first for me. And you have all these rules and regulations that you have to kind of meet. And, and for a public company, you it's kind of the norm that you go for the lowest cost to get the, the deliverables that you need. And the core of the project was to build trust and relations and go beyond uh, the transactional uh, way of working. I said, that doesn't work. We can't. We can't take a supplier. We need a partner. Uh, We need someone we can trust. We need someone who can share our values. Um, So we went into completely redesigning the public procurement process. Uh, and probably because I was so naive and have never done it before, I could, could be extremely open. And, and it was a beautiful process. Uh, we had this public procurement specialist that was helping us. And, and at first he was like, oh my God, they're trying to bend the rules to get the most out of it. Uh, and the rules are to be able to, uh, what's it called? In, it's, it's in Swedish. It's, it's the right for kind of equal treatment or, or just treatment mm-hmm. uh, that you go through this process. And once you realized that we were actually trying to go beyond, uh, we, we were trying to follow that and we were going to do it even stronger. So it helped us to really go to the edge. And we did the entire process value-based. And uh, we failed first, we did it again, and I think we succeeded. And, and we found a partner and we had such a good relationship that even when the project ended, they were ready to take the cost to continue it. They were committed to kind of go beyond and, and continue also privately because it was so much value for them to be part of it due to their own growth, uh, personal growth, and how that actually mattered for their company. Um, and I think there we created kind of a sense of belonging. They felt the ownership and belonging to the project to the extent that when it was disappearing, they felt such a strong belonging. They want to kind of maintain it uh, and bring it to life on their own terms, even though it costed them more. Uh, and, and I think this is also kind of the tides together, trust, authenticity, belonging, growth, um, that you actually can create more value if if you get this right and you create connections and you have the trust 
instead of always being in fear because it affects your brain in a totally different way. Uh, to, to be in scarcity or to be in abundance, to be in fear, to be in kind of open state. Um, it, it affects your biology. Yeah, and you brought in something else there, which I think is very interesting. I mean, just this term of transactionality. Is it like mm-hmm. uh, a one-time deal and you need to squeeze as much as you can out of it or is there like a continuation? Like are we playing a finite or an infinite game, some would say, or like are you in a, a transactional relational um, state? And, and like is it, are you looking only at this one particular deal or are you looking at it over a lifetime? Like because... Mm-hmm. And of course, like even in very sort of conventional ways of thinking, like in the in sort of if you apply like game theoretic thinking around on these types of things, like the calculation just completely changes if you add multiple rounds of the game. Like mm-hmm. if you keep doing yeah. business or if you keep interacting, that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it matters. I mean, to to take an isolated case, um, you you afford to kind of make it not last last or, or like hurt if, if i use the word hurt something around you um because the connection will be lost and you cannot afford to not care uh, and when you create that disconnection uh, I, th- I think connection is so extremely important i think a lack of connection is kind of causing uh, so much pain in the world and actually one root cause of uh, for example the, the climate change we are losing connections to both each other and ourselves and the nature yeah and i mean very concretely you can just take a few steps even if, if you disregard i mean even if you take account for like but if you look at it you know if there's no planet there's no market like it's just simple as that and then it's like if you start out with a couple of people then you're like yeah but for me it doesn't matter so much because i'm so small but it's like it's very it's very literally like that. And then like if you have if we have all these floods or all these like disaster scenarios that are even if there's like a really tiny percentage chance, even if we're still dealing in probabilities, which we are not anymore, but but still like if we even if we're dealing with probabilities of what might happen or, or not, you know, it doesn't make any sense to just keep going where we've been going. We we need to deal yeah. with these things. But and yeah. I, I want to return to the to belonging even even more like sort of strongly. And so we talked about belonging. And and you have the tool for the values. So, like, what is it? Uh, how how do you approach uh, sort of this this foundation for belonging or discovering these things? Like, just say some more about it. You started saying that yeah. you had the 130 values, and that that's how we can start talking about it in the teams. But but then what? So, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, just to give you kind of the background, it started. I was doing my master thesis what seven years ago. Uh, and I was studying what I called higher ambition leadership. So studying the the values and the worldview of uh, CEOs and founders of companies that had uh, a higher ambition with their companies of merely generating profit. Of course, that's also always part of it, but they had uh, the vision to to have a good influence on, on the greater good, if you can say so. Uh, and I, I collected data on their values through an assessment. So it was a value ranking process. And then I had two control groups. Uh, and uh, during the time I was collecting the data, I started seeing pattern in the data. And from that, I created a model that I started testing. And and I'm quite an empathic person. Uh, so I started, uh, so the process where a person went through this assessment and then we had a deep uh, interview after that. 
And I started seeing that when I had gotten the data and I couldn't compare the data and, and the calculations are based on that to my own calculations, I could start predicting how I felt for people when I met them. Uh, so the, this more similar, the, the visualization of the data was uh, when I met them, the stronger connection or, or the stronger sense of belonging to the person when I met. And I found it extremely interesting. So I have been exploring this further for the past, what, seven years now. Uh, how can it be that actually data can predict something we feel uh, and feel in relation to other people? And, and I found that there are two main uh, aspects of it. One is just kind of the values per se when they meet each other in the setting. So you will feel when someone is like we talked about, either enhancing or violating your value. And the more important that value is, the stronger it feels in you. Uh, so if someone violates something that's of utmost importance to you, that will probably trigger anger in you. Uh, if it's not so important, it will probably trigger like frustration. Um, so, so that is kind of one aspect of it in the relation. And, and the other one is, uh, if you can say, like level of consciousness or awareness. So you can also see that from the data. Uh, and the bigger gap you have in worldview, the harder it seems to be for people to align or to communicate. It's when you meet someone and say, like, we're talking about the same thing, but still we don't understand each other. It's to come from two different planets. So you can see that also in the data. And, and the wider gap you have, the less like you're going to feel sense of belonging. Uh, so. I'm still exploring this and, and testing this out, but I'm extremely fascinated that this is even possible. And for me, it's kind of cultural context that we need to understand when going into, into setting. Uh, because so often we're working with tools or assuming that people are kind of coming from the same or it impacts the same uh, or having the same impact on people the, the uh, stimulation we get from outside, but it's not. It's really individualistic um, how we react to to outer uh, stimulants. Or, yeah. So, and when you, the, the second part, the level of consciousness or level of awareness, is that um, relating to sort of the in integral theory stuff? Like the, you yes. know, red, yeah, okay. So the different colors, like basically what are you, uh, driven by as a result, like what what type of outcome is going to be your um, is going to motivate you in a way? Uh, yes, uh, so, so it connects. So I based uh, I, I compared a lot of theories, like everything from Maslow to to Keegan to Wilbur to uh, Brian Hall. Um, so you you really see it red thread in all the researches. So like some talk about five levels of consciousness, other seven. Uh, so, so it's like really different there, but there is a red thread and there seems to be that the other set of values kind of belongs to certain worldview. Uh, and what I also think is extremely interesting when, when you look at that, it's, it's not that you go to a certain level and then you're there and then you're a wise person. Uh, it's it's more about our state of being, and we are fluctuating probably many times even a day. Um, so it's more like the more conscious we have become, 
the quicker we are when we're thrown out uh, and it affects our whole being. I mean, uh, for example, if we go into like someone violates your most important value, you're thrown into the feeling of anger, which has kind of a lower vibration, if I can uh, use that word. Uh, and if you are quite aware, you will realize that and you can bring yourself back to a more conscious state. Uh, if you do not have reached that level of consciousness, you will probably stay in that anger and probably maintain that anger for a while and it's affecting your entire being. And that also affects your brain, uh, which gives you kind of a um, more narrow way of thinking, giving due to yeah stress or, or the hormones that affects uh, your brain. Uh, so, so, so it's not kind of a model that puts you as a person you are here. It's more to kind of understand the odds of where you are uh, in, in a state of being, I can say so. Uh, because I thought uh, just just to add on that because I've gotten the feedback it's like good or bad but it's never it's more like for the task at hand and how you how you can cope with that mm. that's interesting and then I'm hearing you also kind of mention that this view uh, that um, culture is kind of emergent from so like the the overall culture in the organization we can do certain things mm. to modulate it maybe um, yeah. or, or we can probably if we if we know a little bit of, of like how we can how we can operate, but nonetheless, it, it it depends on sort of the individuals. Like it's it's just the sum of all the parts and and a little bit more. Uh, that kind exactly. of that's the, yeah, that's uh, the trick. Yeah, and I think I mean that that it can be measured, and uh, I would love to kind of create something that could both measure that, and then a person could continuously. Uh, kind of at that data, for example, how values connect to emotions. And if you would have that real-time data kind of on demand from organizational perspective, you could allow authenticity and design for belonging. You can design for trust kind of based on that data, but without letting the data kind of decide because it's always up to people to own their stories and to, to own their identity. So it's not us telling them who they are it's them telling us who they are, but we are just kind of using that data to, to kind of help the organization to to feel that sense of belonging. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting also to separate the story and the data, right? Like you you can evaluate something and look at what's happened, and then you can see things shift over time. But um, what the explanation towards that is might be, um, in in a way, not only the individual, but like the individual and the people that were there, they will know. Um, more about it so it's, it's for them to make sense out of rather than somebody external trying to say absolutely uh, absolutely because the sense making from one's own perspective is probably one of the most important factors in this and also where it brings awareness for for people to actually when they have the space to to both share their own stories but also to explore their own stories and and see them from different perspective and and get them mirrored by the people around them, etc. Yeah. Very cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna round us off. Uh, I think. So, is there something that we uh, that I missed that we should have said that that uh, needs to be said now before we uh, before we close? <laughs> I think uh, I could talk to you forever. I'm at, uh, <laughs> so I just stress that we have covered what we wanted to cover. Uh, we will keep the conversation uh, alive. Uh, but I think there's nothing that I. Feel eager to to bring in here. 
And if people want to find you or interact with you or find out more about belonging, um, where um, where should they reach out or how can they, what should they look at? Uh, I think it's easiest just to find me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I also have probably, uh, we have two Christian Grimstadter uh, in the world. The other one is the same age as me, actually. And then we have my grandmother who, who has passed away. So just to Google me is extremely also easy. And there you can find uh, other social media so, or phone numbers or whatever. Uh, I'll so put Google the link, link, link in the show notes yeah. as well <laughs> there to, to click on if you want. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, and Thank you for the space and a good question. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Meaningful Work podcast. This is a disclaimer. People appearing on the podcast, both guests and hosts, represent their own views. InnerWorks do not necessarily work with or condone or recommend any of the practices that the guests or hosts talk about in this podcast episode. For full transparency on how guests and hosts are related to InnerWorks, please check the show notes. What is the point of this paperwork? What is the point of these meetings? What is the point of managers coming and going? You must gain balance within yourself before you can bring balance to the world. Sometimes I faltered. I had bad days. We need people to be human at work. We need ourselves to be human at work.